What's up, Central? How, how are you guys doing? Hey, yeah. Man, it's great to be here. My name's Tim. I, uh, I serve as one of the pastors here, and uh, my family and I are just really so honored and really thrilled to be able to join you, to lock arms with you here in San Jose in this mission uh, of representing Jesus uh, to this wonderful community. Uh, my wife, Tiffany, right here is on the front row. I think we've got a picture. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tiffany to you, Tiffalicious to me. I can't resist. I will always introduce her as that. She is my best friend and she is awesome. Uh, the taller boy there, that is Cannon. He is eight. Uh, our middle son there is Drake and Elsie, my baby girl. She is three and uh, they're kind of a big deal. But my family, all of us are really excited uh, to be here to partner with you guys as, as the church. And actually, uh, I have a special guest here with me. Uh, my mama is in the house. And uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I asked her to come. So I was like, if everybody hates me, at least I know my mama and my wife. They got my back. <laughs> no, uh, I'm so glad that she's here. I physically would not be here if it weren't for her, but spiritually uh, would not be here uh, if it weren't for my mom. So, so, so glad you're here. I want to give a shout out to my dad watching online, all the friends and family watching online, tuning in as well. Glad that you have joined us uh, for this first first message as a pastor here at, uh, at Central Christian Church is awesome. Uh, first are awesome. Gary, new things. God loves new things, doing new things. It's exciting to be a part of a uh, new chapter in the church. Yeah. Also a new year, right? So for all of us, regardless if you're just checking out this church, you're like, these people are weird. Uh, well, hey, you're not too far off the mark on that, but um, uh, you're in a new season as well, right? It's a new year. 2019 is upon us. And uh, I don't know if you guys set New Year's resolutions. Anybody resolutions, goals for the new year? That's a thing. Chris? Awesome, Chris. So, I, Chris, let me just talk to you for a minute. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, it's, it's awesome. Setting new goals, new years. But uh, it's interesting. The Business Insider wrote an article uh, stating that most New Year's resolutions, 80%, in fact, of New Year's resolutions will have failed by February. 80% by February. That is, that is crazy. And, uh, and I think it's because we, we, don't, we don't come at it real intelligently. There's a, a book. Uh, Michael Hyatt wrote this book called Your Best Year Ever. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read it. It's a great read on goal setting and, and achieving uh, new accomplishments in the new year. I would suggest it to anybody that might be interested. Uh, or, or Chris, if you're interested, I'm just saying that this is my, maybe a good book uh, to download. But um, uh, New Year's resolutions, it's such a pandemic of New Year's resolutions failing uh, that there's actually a hashtag out there's called resolutions fail. So here's a couple of them, a couple of tweets out there. Uh, I just saw a guy donate exercise equipment to Goodwill. I didn't think that would happen until at least February, right? <laughs> January 3rd, like, ah, this exercise business is for the birds. Going to make a donation. Uh, I made three resolutions last year and I can't remember any of them. Resolution fail, right? Like you come to the end of the year, like, I don't even know what my resolution was. Like probably didn't work out too well. I love this one. Got ready to go to the gym, got ready for the gym, packed my gear, went for a burger instead. <laughs> Wise choice. If you ask me, um, I like this one. Uh, I, I promised to stop honking at people while driving. So now I clap instead. So if you see me applauding, it means you messed up like you. Resolution fail. Uh, I, I think resolutions fail because, as John Maxwell says, and this is kind of our thesis for this series of habits, uh, most people have uphill hopes, but we got downhill habits, right? We got uphill hopes, like we aspire up there, 
But the gravitational pull of life, our, our habits that we do every day, pull us down here. One smart guy said, what you repeatedly do is actually what you become. Like your, your small habits become big in our life. And so as we kick off this new year, this new series, I want to I wanna talk about four habits over the next four weeks that I believe if you apply them uh, are going to be pivotal in your life. Uh, but before we go on this journey uh, in this new year as a uh, new chapter in the church, there's three tools that are going to be essential as we begin this journey, as we embark on this journey. The first, fill in the blank in your program. You got one of these bad boys. I've got some fill in the blanks uh, today just to keep everyone awake. Um, and uh, on the same page, the first fill in the blank is this. We, we're going to need, if we, as we embark on this journey as a church, we embark on this journey in 2019, we're going to need a little bit of hope. We're going to need some hope for the future. We're going to need hope for the future. If we're going to implement some new uphill habits in 2019, we need some hope. Uh, the first step is just to believe it's possible. You know, some of us, we've resigned ourselves to say, you know what, I, I, it's always been this way. It's always going to be this way. You know what, I tried to conquer that addiction and I, I just can't, I just can't do it. And so I just resigned myself to say it is what it is and it's never going to change. Uh, but as we embark on this journey, I want you to have a little bit of hope as we join it together in 2019. And I think a lot of us throw in the towel on hope because we've been burned, right? We've been burned in the past. We tried that. We tried New Year's resolutions. It didn't work. And, uh, and so we just don't, we don't, we, we quit on it, right? A Harris poll made this uh, statistics. It's, it's interesting. Uh, a Harris poll found that eight out of 10 millennials set New Year's resolutions. Eight out of 10, that's, that's pretty staggering. While seven out of 10 adults over the age of 65 say setting New Year's resolutions is a waste of time, right? <laughs> like, tried that, buddy. Nope. <laughs> my concern isn't whether you set res- New Year's resolutions or not. Like, I really, I really don't care. But my hope for you, my hope for me, my hope for us together as a church is that as we embark together, we would always cling to hope. That we know that there's hope. I, I, from my understanding of the Bible, there's hope. There's hope for your family. There's hope for those relationships. There's hope for your future. There's hope for your health. There's hope that you can fit into that dress again. There's hope that for this Midwest boy, that there's a hope that even the great state of California, even I will be able to go hunting and fishing once again, thanks to my man, Pat, right here. Boom, Pat, yes, there's hope. Um, Speaking of hunting and fishing, it reminds me of a redneck uh, joke. Um, (laughs) I'm from the Midwest, so like I feel like I have a birthright to talk about rednecks because it's like my people. It's my people. Well, this redneck was, was driving down the road, right? And he's swerving in and out of lanes, and he's got this big old truck with a kettlebell swinging from the back. And I don't know if you've seen those, but they're awesome. Uh, and, and this cop pulls him over and says, sir, I'm going to need you to blow in this tube and, and take this breathalyzer test. And he says, well, you know what, sir? I'm sorry, I just can't do that. You know, because this doctor says that I got asthma. And if I breeze into that tube right there, I could have me an asthma attack. And I could kill over and die right here, right now. And I just can't do that, right? So okay, well, um, I'm going to need you to come down to the police station with me, and I, I'm going to have to take a, a, a blood sample. And he said, well, well, you know what, sir, I'm sorry, I just can't do that. Because if I, you start poking me with some needles, the doctor says I'm one of them hemophiliacs. And you start poking me with that, I could bleed out right here, right now. I just don't, I, I, just, I, I just can't do that. Okay, well, I'm going to need you to take a, a urine sample because we got to figure out what's going on. You're all over the road, sir. He said, well, if I pee in that there cup right now, I got this, the doctor says I'm a diabetic. So if I pee in that cup, my blood sugar could drop, I could die right here, right now. I just can't do that. So okay, well, um, uh, I'm going to need you to walk up, step out of the truck. I'm going to need you to walk this straight line here. Well, sir, you know what? I just can't do that because you see here, I'm drunk. (laughs) You know, some people, right? Like like you talk to them, no matter what you say, they got a reason why it cannot be done, right? No matter what you say, 
no, it can't do it. I can't, I can't do that. Well, I'm just saying, as we begin this journey, we're going to need a little bit of hope. We need a little bit of hope. And so in, in Jeremiah 29, 11, maybe you've heard this before. It says, God says this. He, he steps on the stage of these people's lives and he says, for I know the plans I have for you. He's got plans for you. He's got plans for good. Check this out. It, help me out with the red, red words here. It says, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope. And uh, he's got a hope. He's got a future for you. You say, well, yeah, that's all well and good, but you don't know my situation. Check this out. Whenever God says this to the people of Israel in Jeremiah 29, 11, they're in exile. And it's not a short-term sentence. They're slaves in Babylonia. And they're not a short-term, 70 years in Babylonia. He says, you know what? He steps on the stage and says, I see you. And I got plans for you, plans to give you hope, plans to give you a future. Maybe you're a captive in another way here, but I'm just saying today there's hope. There's hope for you. There's hope for your future. As we embark together, we got to cling to, to hope for the future. A uh, second thing we're going to need as we begin this journey is to repent from some things in the past. Second fill in the blank is repentance from things in the past. Philippians uh, twelve fourteen reads this. It says, not that I've already obtained all of this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I don't, I don't consider myself yet to take hold of it, but one thing I do, I, I forget what's behind me and I'm pressing on towards what's ahead of me. I press on to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul's saying, I haven't attained it all. It's been great. There's been some challenges. But one thing I'm doing in order to move forward, I'm forgetting what's behind me. And I'm going to strain towards what's ahead of me. Maybe you're here and in 2018, man, it was awesome. You're celebrating wins, right? At work, you met all the metrics. At home, all you did was win, 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 no matter what. And that is awesome. And I'm excited for you for that. Uh, but one thing we need to hang on to is Stephen Covey says this. He says, your most important work is always ahead of you, never behind you. If last year was awesome, let's celebrate that. It's awesome. If last year was a train wreck, well, good news. It ended last year. It's a new year. We got some, some hope for the future. We're going to repent from some things in the past. And, uh, and it reminds me of this story, this poem actually by Porta Nelson. She wrote uh, this poem. If you've ever been a part of a recovery program or maybe you've heard this in a philosophy class, uh, she wrote My Life in Five Chapters. My Life in Five Chapters. And I want to read it to you and uh, you tell me which chapter your, your life might be in. So chapter one, I walk down the street and there's a, there's a hole in the sidewalk and I, I fall in. I'm lost. I'm helpless. It, it isn't my fault. And it takes me a long time to find my way out. Chapter two, I walk down the same street. There's a hole in the sidewalk. There's a deep hole and I, I fall in. A deep, I pretend I don't see it, but I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. And it takes me a long time to get out. Chapter three, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in again. It's a habit. My eyes are open. It is my fault. And I immediately get out. Chapter four, I walk down the street. There's a hole in the sidewalk. And now I'm walking around that hole, right? I'm not going in that hole, right? But then there's chapter five. I'm walking down a different street, <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? Repentance is chapter five. I'm taking a different street. My man, Gary Taylor. How awesome is Gary, by the way? Yeah. He's kind of a big deal. And I'm not just saying that because he can beat me up. Not many people can do that, but Gary, maybe. Arm wrestling, I'm not, I'm not, odds are not my favor. 
Uh, but Gary, man, great communicator. And a couple weeks ago, I was listening online. Gary talked about repentance, right? And if you're, unless you've been in church for a while, you probably have never heard the term repentance, much less understand what it means. Uh, but Gary talked about repentance and how it's simply turning uh, a change of direction. I'm going this way, doing whatever I want, living life however I want. I repent. That means I'm turning. I'm going this direction. I'm walking down a different street. Listen, no matter, it, maybe you're here and you're like next to the Apostle Paul on the spiritual level, and that's awesome. So glad you're here. Maybe you're here and like you've never even heard of some guy named Paul other than the buddy you work with. But, but, but wherever you are on a scale of 1 to 10, maybe you're right in the middle, maybe, maybe you're just embarking on this journey. Uh, one thing that we're all going to need as we embark on this New Year's is to repent of some things in our past. Let go. Go a new direction. Take a different street. Third observation tool we're going to need as we embark on this journey is formation of some uphill habits. That fill in the blank, the third fill in the blank. Formation of some uphill habits. We need some biblical habits if we're going to experience all that God has for us in this new year and as we embark together uh, as a church. Uh, Romans 12, 2, this is the message paraphrase. Help me out with the red words. It says, fix your attention on God, right? Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around us, always dragging us down to the level of its immaturity, God brings out the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. Hey, in 2019, I just want you to know God has good plans for you. He wants to bring out the best in you, not to harm you, plans to help you. And so if we're going to experience that, we've got to apply some uphill habits. And so here, here's the first habit. You guys ready? We're going to talk about one habit this week, one habit next week. So next four weeks, new habit. We're going to unpack it. Uh, turn to your neighbor and say, get ready, get ready. Tell them one more time. I still need a drink. First habit is this, we need to focus on what we do first. We need to focus on what we do first. Uh, as the first Sunday, as pastor here in the church, we want to focus on first things first, right? We need to focus on what we do first. First things matter. Dr. James Dobson states that the first 15 minutes of whenever you arrive home in the evening will set the trajectory for the remainder of the evening. Like what you do in the first 15 minutes when you arrive home will set the temperature uh, for the remainder of the day. First things matter. This principle of first we see threaded throughout the entire Bible. Like God is a, a God of, of order. How many of you uh, believe like there's an order to the way things should be done? Uh, in your life. How many, where are my process people? Yep, 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 got it, got it. Here's what I mean. Maybe this will jog uh, some memories. How many of you here, whenever you load the dishwasher, like there's a right way and there's a wrong way to load the dishwasher, right? <laughs> Heavy stuff on bottom, plastic stuff on top. Some people get it reversed. I'm just saying it's the wrong way. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> How many of you, when you make your grocery list, like you make your grocery list, like based on the grid of the grocery store. So like with Mario Andretti Precision, like you push the cart and you just grab what you need, you're in, you're out, it's awesome, your list is in order, right? Uh, now, this is for my OCD people in the room, um, where are my OCD people at? You know, you know that there is a right way and a wrong way to load toilet paper onto the roll. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, yes, yes. This is a safe place. This is a safe place for me. Thank you. I'm feeling better about myself already. Well, one thing we learn about God from reading the Bible is that he is a God of order. Uh, from uh, biblical theology, this thread that's threaded from, from Genesis all the way to the end of the Bible in Revelation is this thread of that God is a God of order. And here's the order of things. Uh, whenever we come to putting first thing first, the, the, the first fill in the blank is we need to put God first. Put God first. 
Genesis 1.1, the very first chapter, the very first sentence in your Bible reads this, in the beginning, God. He initiated it all. He started it all. He's first in this process. Exodus 20, verses 1 through 3 reads, And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Right? He's like, hey, I rescued you. Your life is mine. Put me first. Exodus 31, 13, You must worship the Lord your God. Uh, you You should worship no other gods. For the Lord whose very name is jealous, is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you, like if you have a spouse and your spouse is like, well, I got this, you're not really number one in my life. I'm like, what? No, like we're, we get that from God. Like he, he, he represents that. He embodies that. He's jealous about his relationship with us because he loves you that much. Uh, in Matthew 23, the, Jesus is being tested. It's right before he goes to the cross and uh, the religious leaders are trying to trap him. And so in Matthew uh, 24, 35, reads this, one of the experts in the law uh, tested him with this question, teacher, what's the greatest commandment in all the law, right? So in Jewish uh, history, in Jewish customs, like they had uh, in the Torah, the Pentateuch, the Old Testament, like there's 613 laws, right? And these religious leaders built all these other laws on top of it just to make sure they didn't break any of the laws. And so literally over thousands of laws to follow, 613 in the Old Testament, plus all the laws on top of it. And this religious leader is trying to trap me. He says, Jesus, what's number one? Give me the greatest commandment. And here's what he says. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest Commandment. Listen, if you hear nothing else, like if it's time to jump on the phone and check the score of the football game, listen to this and hear this, and then you can do what you need to do. Put God first in your life. Put, put God first in 2019. Put God first when it comes to processing this church, when it, when it comes to the future. Let's put God first. He's number one. He wants to be first. All, the, all of your affection, all of your adoration, all of your energy, all your, your heart, your soul, your mind, your, your strength, give it to him first. Revelation twenty two thirteen says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. We gotta, we gotta put God first. So from Genesis all the way throughout the Bible, we see this thread, put God first, put God first. And I need to say something here, and I don't mean to sound ugly, like I'm, it's my first week, right? <laughs> my name's Tim Perkins, I wanna be your friend. Um, I need to say something here. You know, if God's on your list in 2019, but he's not first, I'm not too sure he's on your list because God's not interested in being co-pilot. He's not interested in being second fiddle. You know what? He wants to be first in our lives. And the good news is if he's not first, then today before we close out, he can be first. Uh, Matthew 6.33 says, but seek first. There it is. Thanks. His kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Uh, so we're going to put God first and here's how we're going to do it. So the second observation, second point there, fill in the blank is give God the first of everything. So we establish, we want to put God first. God desires to be first. How are we going to do that? Well, we're going to do that by giving him the first of everything. Um, 
Charles Duhigg wrote this book called The Power of Habits. Uh, it's a great read on, read on how to establish new habits in, into our life. Uh, James Clare wrote this book called Atomic Habits. A great book, once again, on how to incorporate new habits into our daily rhythms of life. But here's the, the general takeaway uh, of how to incorporate new habits based on the research, based on their observations, is a three-step process to implementing new habits. One is a cue or a trigger. What, what's going to be the cue? Uh, to implement the new habit. Second thing is to do the habit. Uh, third is a reward. So like if being healthy in 2019 is your deal, all right? Okay, so the trigger will be when your alarm clock goes off, immediately put on your shoes, the habit, go for a run. The reward can be eating an M&M whenever you come home. Not like a five pound bag of M&Ms, but just one. Like cue, habit, reward, right? Cue, habit, reward. And so with that grid, let's lay that grid over this idea of how do we put God first in our lives? Cue, habit, reward. So the first of the year, right? So that's the, that's the cue. Uh, so that fill in the blank there is, is the year, first of my year. How do we put God first in the first of our year? I would encourage you at the first of every year, January 1, every year, start the year with a fast. And a fasting is a loaded term. Like it can mean a lot of different things. There's a lot of different ways you can fast. Like you can do a full fast where you're not eating anything, just drinking water. Like it could be a, a Daniel fast for 21 days. It could be a, a Jewish fast from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. You're not gonna eat at that time. Uh, but the, the idea is that you would take that time and rather than eating or, or doing what you would do, you, you would spend that time with Jesus. You'd spend that time with God. Uh, maybe you could fast social media uh, for the month of January. That would be a, a good fast. Maybe for some of us here in the room, we could fast uh, news, right? Like, hey, if you, if you don't watch the news for the month of January, hear me, let me tell you what you're going to miss. Murders and football scores. That's what you're going to miss. But it'll be there in February, right? So, so hey, you could fast. Instead of watching the news at that time, you could you could, you could spend that time with God, and that would be a good way just to say, you know what, God, the first of my year, I'm giving it to you. My life is yours. I want you to be first in my life. Uh, the first of the month, the first of the month, the second fill in the blank there, we're going to give God the first of our month. And how are we going to do that? Uh, I would say through, through our giving, through, through tithes and offerings. And here, check this out, Leviticus 27:30. It says, a tithe of everything, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord, uh, the first. He wants the first of everything that you get. He wants, he wants it. Uh, here, here, Matthew 6, 21 reads this. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I get it. Like, you're like, dude, you're, it's like week one. You're talking about money. Like, way to tackle the elephant in the room. Um, well, the Bible talks so much about finances, right? And here, let me say this. Like, God's not interested in your money. God doesn't want your money but he does desire what is tethered to your money. And it says where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And so if God has your finances, there's a good chance he has your heart and vice versa, right? He's not interested in your money, but he does want your, want your heart, right? And, and let me just say this, uh, as a pastor at this church, right? As long as I'm here, you know what? If you never give a dime to this place, I want you to know that you belo- always belong. You can always call this place home. I, I don't. I'm not here for that, but my heart will break for you because I do not think that you will fully experience all God has for your life unless you give him everything, your family, your finances, your future, your hopes, your dreams. Like he wants it all. He wants to be first. And the Bible talks about this. So, so that's why first of the month, man, we give. And, and here's for my family. We give not because we want to get more. We give because we believe there is more. We believe that, that this life is not the end all be all. 
We want to store up some treasures in heaven where moth and rust can't destroy and where thieves can't break in and steal. We want to store up for ourselves. We recognize that according to the Bible, this life is but a vapor. And so my hope, every time I give, it's a tangible way for me to say, God, my life is yours. I recognize this world is not all that there is. Because the gravitational pull of life, some downhill habits will lead me there. But some uphill habits will require some sacrifice, some sweat, some energy there. Um, so, so we give God the first of our year by a fast. We give God the first of our month by giving our finances. We give God the first of our week uh, by jumping into church, right? Congratulations, you guys did it. First of your week, boom, gold star for all of you. It's awesome. Uh, you know, uh, throughout Jewish history, there was a Saturday Sabbath, and that's based on the, the uh, creation account. On the seventh day, God rested. And so on the seventh day, Saturday, there's a rest. And if you go to Israel, Roger and Ricky uh, just went to Israel and uh, going to lead a trip there again. If you want more information, you can talk to them about it. But, uh, but as you still go to Israel today, like uh, Saturday, things shut down. There's nothing going on, right? Because it's, it's a Sabbath. Well, in, in Christian, uh, for us as Christ followers, it moved from a Saturday Sabbath to a Sunday celebration. Two reasons why. Uh, one, Jesus was uh, resurrected on Sunday. So we start our week with saying, Jesus, you're not in the grave anymore. You rose from the dead. There's hope for me, right? There's hope for you. There's hope for the world around us. That's awesome. Second reason why is that the early church wanted to make this declaration that God, we're giving you the first. We're giving the first of our week. And so on Sunday, rather than on Saturday, we're giving, this is actually the first of your week. Some of us think like Monday is the first of our week. No, today is actually your first. And you're doing the right thing. You're giving God the first of your week by being in church. And uh, let's check this out in Hebrews 20, uh, 10, 25. It reads this. Help me out in the red words. It says, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near, right? Like God, God could come at any time, man. I, I want to be making sure I'm giving him my first. Um, and I strongly encourage you, 2019, uh, give God the first of your week. There's a, there's a staggering statistic, national average of church attendance. The average Christ follower attends church once a month. Don't let that be true of you. Don't let that be true of us. Listen, if we want to see New Testament signs and wonders among us, it's going to require a little bit of New Testament devotion. And once a month isn't it. You know, they met together consistently. Let's be that people. Let's be that church. That's what we want. We want to see God move in a big way. And you can say, you know what, Tim? Like, <laughs> it's your first week. You're the pastor. Of course you're going to say that. And you're right. That would, that would make sense. Here's what the research shows, though. Uh, Tyler Vanderweel, an epidemiologist of Harvard uh, School of Public Health, conducted a study of regular churchgoers over two decades with his colleagues. And he found that people who attend religious services at least once a week enjoy better blood pressure, healthier cardiovascular, immune, uh, endocrine functions, and coronary artery disease uh, than those who, who don't attend at all. They're, they're healthier people by, by going to church. And here I quote this. It says, something about the communal religious experience and participation matters. He wrote this in a USA Today article. Uh, something powerful appears to take place there that enhances health. According to the New York University survey of over 100,000 women over the age of 50 who attend religious services found that they are 56% more likely to have a positive outlook on life and 27% less likely to be depressed. The study's author went on to state that the religious uh, practices can also help foster positive worldview and sociological and social benefits, end quote. 
And then check this out. Researchers of the University of Iowa found that the GPA of teenagers, where are my teenagers at? Boom, there they are. Love it. Teenagers uh, saw higher GPA scores for those who attended uh, services on a weekly basis, um, according to the study in Sociological Quarterly. Jennifer Gainville, uh, University of Iowa sociologist, noted that, uh, and I quote, suggests that the act of attending church, the structure and social aspects associated with it, could be more important to educational outcomes than the actual religion, end quote. So I'm just saying, in other words, if you don't buy into this whole Jesus stuff, your, your health will be better, your mental health will be better, your kids will be, have higher GPA scores, just get them into church, be a part of the church. You'll benefit from it, right? It's not just my opinion, that's just it's what the research shows, people. Uh, and then next, fill in the blank, we're going to give God the first of my day, first of my day. Uh, Psalm 63.1 reads this, it says, oh God. You are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Uh, All my morning people love this verse. All the evening people hate it. But uh, there is something powerful about giving God the first of our waking hours. It kind of sets the tone for the remainder of the day. Uh, The most, uh, Gary, beautiful job last week once again. I got like this man crush on Gary today. Uh, (laughs) Gary, you're awesome. Uh, last week, Gary talked about how Jesus, he, he, he had this consistent habit of drawing back to gain power, to gain energy, to move forward throughout the day. Probably the most repeated habit we see of Jesus throughout the four gospels. Uh, Mark uh, 135 reads this. It says, very early in the morning, right? Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went to a solitary place where he could pray, right? So we see this rhythm throughout his ministry. And so, uh, Here's this habit I would encourage you in 2019. Hey, before you check your emails, before you jump on social media, before you start responding to text messages, before, God forbid, before you watch the news, right? Uh, get in the word, like spend five minutes, 15 minutes of your day, five minutes in the word. Take five minutes just to give thanks. God, you've, you've been so good to me. I, another day smelling the roses and not the roots. You know what I'm saying, Oscar? Where's Oscar at? Yeah, yeah, we were talking about that earlier, right? Just give thanks. And then then pray five minutes, 15 minutes of your day. If you're not in the habit of giving God the first of your day, I would encourage you this year, 2019, first 15 minutes of your day, it'll change your life. And that's a cliche that we throw around out there a lot, but I'm just saying this can be your best year ever if we put God first in everything that we do. I I close with this uh, story. It's a story of a dad and his son. And uh, this dad and this son, they they enjoyed, R.C. Sproul tells a story his dad and son, they, they enjoyed collecting art, and uh, they were a very affluent family. They would travel all over the globe uh, to acquire elaborate pieces of art, right? Picassos and Van Goghs, and, and this dad and son loved dialoguing about them and the process of traveling and seeing new places, and they just enjoyed uh, this time together uh, collecting art. Well, his son grows up, and it's World War II, and the son goes off to war. And while he's in the European theater operation, right, serving his country, uh, he tells his comrades about his dad and the times that they had collecting art and the, how he longs for home, right? And, uh, and he, he tells his buddies about this. And while he's in the active duty, he, he, he gives his life to protect his, his comrades, his soldiers there. And word comes back to the States to his dad, and his dad's crushed, heartbroken. A couple years go by, and this... Man knocks on the door 
And it's a guy about his son's age, what would have been his son's age, and doesn't recognize this, this kid. And he says, I know you don't know me, sir, but, but I served with your son in the war. And he, he, he stayed up late at night telling me stories about how you guys would collect art. And he, he loved that process. And he just want you to know, you did a great job raising your son. And he loved you dearly. And I know just this isn't, isn't much, but just as a token of my appreciation to raising such a fine young man, and in honor of my buddy, I painted this portrait of him. And I wanted to gift it to you. And on this canvas was a portrait of his son. This, this dad cherished this painting. Because it reminded him of his son. It looked so much like him. He hung it on the mantle. And amongst all these priceless pieces of art was this portrait of his son. He loved it. His father dies. And word gets out to the art community that there's going to be this estate sale. And all these priceless pieces of art are going to be sold, auctioned off. Art collectors from all corners of the world come just to see these pieces of art, much less to get the opportunity to buy one for themselves. Auctioneer begins the auction, pulls out this obscure piece that the collectors have never really seen from an artist they never heard of. And the, the auctioneer starts it, puts it right there. This was a very dear piece to this estate owner. He asked that we start with this piece. I would like to start the bid at $100. Can I get $100, $100, $100, $100? Silence. This is a fine piece of art. Someone would be, be very thankful for this piece of art. Can I get 50, $50, $50, anybody? The crowd begins to get restless. Where's the, where's the real art? Where's the Picassos? Where's the Van Goghs? We want to, we want to see the good stuff. Get this out of here. $20. Can I get 20, 20, 20? Silence. There's a gardener that had served this man all of his life virtually. He knew how much that piece meant to his previous boss. He was a poor man, didn't have much. He said, I, I, got, I got 10 bucks, $10, $10. Can I get 15, 15, 15? $10 going once, get it out of here. We don't care about that. Going twice, sold to the gentleman in the back. You may pay at the cashier. And with that, the auctioneer begins to pick up his things and get ready to leave to the astonishment of the crowd. Where's the art? What are you doing? What, what's going on? And he pulls out the will. He said, up until this point of the auction, I was unable to tell you. But the estate owner has stated here in his will that whoever buys the portrait, portrait of the son gets it all. And that gardener walked out, the wealthiest art collector in the room. I tell you that story to tell you this as we embark together on this journey as a church as we embark together in 2019. Listen to me. If you get the sun, you get it all. But if you miss it, because you're busy, because the downhill habits and pull you in the gravitational pull of society around you, if you miss it for the shiny object, I'm just saying, don't be that guy. If you get the sun, you get it all. But you gotta put him first. We're gonna give him the first of our year. We're gonna say, oh God, more than our daily sustenance, we just need you. Oh God, more than our monetary possessions, we want you. Oh God, more than our week, we're gonna start the week together because we're better together. We need community, we need each other. We're gonna start our day saying, oh God, you can have my day. Because we more than anything else, if you get the sun, you get it all. But if you miss him, miss him. You walk away empty-handed. 
I don't want that for you. I don't want that for our church. So we're going to mind the cues. We're going to install some uphill habits. And the reward, according to Matthew 6, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you for your love. We thank you, God, that you gave us the greatest gift of your son. And God, if we can really take hold of that reality, God, we get it all. And God, we're so thankful for that. So Jesus, I pray that you prepare my heart, that you prepare our hearts, do whatever's necessary to take hold of that, that you're calling us to. We wouldn't just believe that you can do great things in 2019, but God, we would see it. We would take hold of it, God. Prepare our hearts for that, I pray. And God, for everyone here in this room who maybe you've been co-pilot, God, may we put you back in your rightful place as king, the leader, the boss, the CEO, the president of our lives. God, that you would call the shots moving forward. With your head bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here today and and you say, you know what, Tim, God hasn't been number one in my life, but I want him to be. I don't want to miss him in 2019. Maybe it was, you've been too busy and you, you just say, I wanted to put him back on the throne where he belongs. Is that you? Could you just slip up your hand? I want to pray for you. Thanks, 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 thanks. Yep, thanks. Anybody else? You would say, I want to put God back on the throne right, right now. He's number one in my life. Thanks, thanks. God, you see those hands reaching out to you and I pray, oh God, that you reach out to them. That God, you would pour out your spirit into their lives. God, they would experience all that you have for them. And God, as they put you number one in their life, God, may they come to understand that passage in Matthew 6, that they get the son, they get it all. We're gonna seek first your kingdom. We're gonna seek first your righteousness. We're gonna believe, God, that you're gonna come through for us in every other arena of our lives, not according to what we desire, but God, according to what you desire. May you grant that. And God, as we embark together as a church in this new chapter, this new journey, Jesus, we just wanna acknowledge that you're first May you have your way among us today, God. May you have your way among us in the future. Jesus, may we always lead with you first in everything we say and everything we do. Jesus, may you be glorified and may you rescue San Jose. May you use us to be an accurate representation of your grace, of your love for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.